Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 3. And as you're turning there this morning, you know, we like mystery. Uh, And mystery in what we would consider everyday life, uh, there's something about having to figure stuff out. Sometimes it can be frustrating, but other times it, it ends up being something uh, fun to engage in, something profound because of trying to find out or figure out the unexplained or the unknown or the enigma that may be part of uh, the, the life in which we live, trying to figure out things as we study and discover the world that God has made. Uh, but other times it's, it's just... Uh, that, trying to uh, figure out how we're supposed to live in this world in which we find ourselves. Uh, But, you know, a mystery in everyday life as we think about it, as we define it, you know, in our dictionaries, uh, a mystery is anything that is kept secret or remains unexplained or unknown, uh, that of an enigma. Uh, But is also defined as a novel or short story, a play or film, whose plot involves a crime or other event that remains puzzling and unsettled until the very end. There's a whole industry. uh, It revolves around this whole idea of mystery and trying to figure out things. You know, that's why we have a Miss Marple or a Columbo, a Sherlock Holmes, a Perry Mason, a Hercule Perrault, uh, a Jessica Fletcher, a Quincy, a Matlock. And if it wouldn't have been... For those meddling kids, we would have gotten away with it. For my generation and those that know that claim is from Scooby-Doo, which also is, you know, trying to figure out the mystery because they always caught the bad person at the end and they would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for those meddling kids. So the thing is, mystery is a part of everyday life because we don't know everything. We, we don't know all the ins and outs of any particular field, and even those things which we do know about them, oftentimes it's changing because of increased knowledge, because of studying it more. Well, I want to separate out what you automatically have come into your head when you think of the word mystery, because we need to look at mystery through a biblical lens or in a big, biblical sense uh, for us to understand what Paul is putting forth here. Uh, because, you know, as we think about mysteries, you know, in everyday life, sometimes you never figure them out. Sometimes they remain enigma for forever. Sometimes they're always a puzzle that you not, you know, can't quite, you know, find all the pieces and put the, the, the you know, puzzle together to see the bigger picture. So I'd like to take and help, and, uh, as we consider mystery in a biblical sense, is for us to understand how it's utilized Uh, in the scriptures, how we take a look at different things that we would consider a mystery. Uh, And that will, will, you know, build a a picture for us to better understand uh, the word that Paul is using here in Ephesians chapter 3 and actually in other books, uh, in in other letters that he wrote. Uh, But first, uh, there's the mystery of the Trinity. Uh, And the mystery of the Trinity is, you know, uh, man's finite mind trying to figure out how is it possible that this seeming paradox can exist? You know, because when we look at the Trinity, you know, there is one God consisting in three persons. Each one, uh, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are 100% God. There are roles within that Godhead, roles that the Father, you know, utilizes and puts forth, roles that the Son 
uh, you know, is involved with, as well as the Holy Spirit. There's subordination within the Godhead, but yet it's one God, three persons. You know, and man has tried to understand this mystery of how this seeming paradox, and it's not a paradox to God because he does exist and he is 100% one God in three persons. And just because we can't wrap our minds around you know, it in, a, in such a way for our finite minds to understand it completely doesn't mean it cannot be true. The thing is, is that we've tried to describe this mystery with an egg or an apple or ice. And as you look at each one of those, and we're not going to take the time to this morning, is that they all come up short in actually giving us a picture of this wonderful, you know, triune God. So it's kind of a mystery to us. Will we ever really understand it even when our faith is made sight and we're with God in eternity? Well, there's an opportunity for us to know, but maybe we'll still just be in awe of the fact that there is one God in three persons, uh, and it has forever been the Ancient of Days. Then there's the mystery of God's love. As we you know, consider you know, this God who, in love, sent his one and only son to die on a cross for people that were his enemies who were dead in their trespasses and sins and in love sent him for the purpose of being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, to die a sinner's death. Why would God show his love in that way? You know, man cannot fully comprehend God's love. And if you think you understand God's love in its entirety, then you don't understand God's love. Because the thing is, is that we're just beginning to understand. We're just beginning, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, which we'll be getting to uh, here shortly, uh, not today, but in the weeks to come. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. A love that surpasses knowledge. See, the thing is, it's only something that can be given to us and help, you know, through the power of the Spirit within us to begin to understand it. You know, as we take communion every month and are reminded of the great cost that Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross because of our sin. The sinless for the sinful. He died for those that were guilty, who had broken God's law, when he himself fulfilled the law in every aspect. You know, how can we understand a love like that? Because we oftentimes love conditionally. There's always something there that, you know, maybe deep down in, well, I'm going to love if... That doesn't mean we can't love unconditionally. But the thing is for us to understand this love that was not based on us being wonderful people that are worthy of love. Instead, this is the God who is love showing a depth and height and breadth and length of love 
that we're just beginning to, to see and understand. I have no doubt in my mind when I see Christ for the first time and can see the nail prints in his hands and in his feet that my being will be overrun with a love that surpasses knowledge. So that's a mystery. We're still, we're seeing it. We're, we're, we're gaining more knowledge. We're being filled with the fullness of God. But again, all of that is within a, a sinful, fallen existence of man. Yes, redeemed. Yes, saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But still, we don't see everything clearly. You know, the scriptures say we see through the glass dimly. But one day it will be sight. So it is a mystery of God's love. And the third is the mystery that we find in our text today uh, in Ephesians chapter 3. It is the Greek word uh, mysterion, which, you know, you think about it, mystery, mysterion. Sounds very close as we get our English word. And it is a hidden purpose or counsel or the secret will of God is what it is defined as. So it is not just a mystery of a made-up story that is something that we would, you know, watch an episode of Columbo and watch Columbo play the fool, but yet be the most intelligent man in the room and always catches his bad guy or gal. See, this is something that is part of God's hidden purpose or counsel, his secret will, that we're going to find that he has revealed to us. Uh, and that's what Paul is proclaiming here. And matter of fact, Paul uses this Greek word 21 times in his letters. Matter of fact, six times are right here in the book of Ephesians. We've already taken a look at one. We just didn't take the time to dig any deeper because I knew there was more mystery coming. But in verse 9 of chapter 1, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. Chapter 3, verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Verse 4, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Verse 9, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Flipping over to chapter 5, verse 32, the mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And then finally, chapter 6, verse 19. And also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's that Greek word, mysterion. And what I'd like to do is today we're not going to actually unpack the word mysterion. That's actually for the next time, which will be, I guess, uh, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. Because we need to take time to see two things this morning. One is that God has revealed things to us in his word. We have God's revelation for us right here in the word of God. But we're also going to take a look at the fact that there are some things that God keeps to himself. And what that means, you know, in relation to who we are. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and begin to see... The fact that God has revealed many things to us through his word. 
This is what we would call God's perceptive will. This is God's will that is for our good. This is actually the will by which we live our, our lives. Uh, and we can find this scripturally, this perceptive will of God that is based in God's sovereignty and his decretive will, which we'll talk about in, in a few moments in that second point. But it is there for us to see who this God is, who is the Ancient of Days, and, and what or who we are before that God of all, and how we should live in light of that. Okay? And so it's revealed in three ways that I'm going to share with you this morning. And they may be ways that you already realize, but don't realize the connection here, you know, as it's compared to God knowing things that we don't know. Which some of you say, well, that's just common sense, Pastor Bill. Obviously, God knows more than we know. But how do we live in light of that? Because we like mystery. We like to try and figure out things. We, we always want to know, you know, I just got to know. Well, we're just going to speak to that in a few moments. But first, it's revealed to us in the Old Testament law, this preceptive will of God. Because it's based in the fact that God's will is that we have no other gods before us. That we not make idols or take the Lord's name in vain. Or that we remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That we honor our father and our mother. That we not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, or covet. So right there is part of God's preceptive will, which is for our good. And that is the, the Ten Commandments. God's law. God being the ultimate lawgiver, the God who is eternal, the God who is the ancient of days, the God who, you know, was, who is self-existence calling into existence everything else that is, which includes every last one of us and this world on which we, you know, live. But we can see God's, you know, revealed will for us in relation to the law itself. A law which, you know, is our, our, our country was even based upon. Which you could see in, in many places in, you know, the seats of, of government within the towns of, of our country. Even though it's being removed because there's not as much of a fear of God or a desire to live for God or to know God. It doesn't change the fact that this is God's preceptive will. This is God's will for those whom he created in his image, and that is to obey his commandments. It's revealed to us. It's not hidden. It's something out there in the open. Well, second is revealed to us is God's attributes. God wants to be known. Now, you know, as we take a look at the Bible, if we didn't have the Bible, then how could we really truly know God short of him you know, making a visible appearance to us and telling us who he is. Well, that's exactly what God did. We just have it written down for us to, you know, look at and realize is that God has revealed himself to us. And his attributes, which is a great study to do, tells us who he is. Because God's revealed himself to us. That scripturally, he is the holy, perfect, infinite, immutable, eternal, self-existent, self-sufficient, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, all-wise, sovereign, transcendent creator. 
who is faithful, gracious, merciful, loving, just, good, patient, and majestic God of all. That's a mouthful. But see, that's who God is. And we know that because he's revealed it to us. Because God wants to be known. He wants us to know who he is. As the ancient of days. We don't have to guess. We don't have to try and formulate some you know, definition or try and uh, unwrap the, the, the mystery or the present of, well, who is God? Now, that doesn't stop man from doing that very thing because he does. Man creates his own image of who God is. Well, you know, the God of the Old Testament is a wrathful God, and, and I like Jesus in the New Testament because he's a loving God. Not realizing that they're speaking of the same God who is Uh, The triune God, who is one God, three persons, who does not change because he's immutable. He doesn't need to change because he is perfect in all that he is. The ones that need to change are you and I. We are the ones that need to change because we are the ones who broke God's law that was revealed to us and denied who this triune God is, the one who revealed himself in all those ways I just mentioned. And third, and this is something we recently just, you know, uh, took a look at in Ephesians chapter 1, is that he reveals it to us in his sovereign plan of salvation. So we don't have to guess, what must I do to be saved? We don't have to hope and say, oh, I, I hope that God's, I catch God on a good day and that I measure up to whatever the standard's going to be for that particular day when I stand before God and that he will hopefully accept me because I've done enough good and, and, and that'll cancel out all the bad, that I won't have any red in my ledger. But see, we don't have to guess because God's revealed it to us. He's given us exactly what it takes to be saved to be with him for all of eternity, to right the wrong, which is us not obeying his revealed law or not acknowledging him as the God that he has revealed himself to us in his scriptures. So look back at Ephesians chapter 1. And we're just going to read it because right here is God's plan of salvation, starting in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, remember that love, the mystery? In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, which is Jesus. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. 
And hallelujah is the right response. That's how we should respond because God did not leave it up to our own interpretation. He did not leave it for us to figure it out, to guess at it, to try and be the detective to find out, well, what is it that appeases or pleases this God of all who is eternal? We don't have to guess. It's not a game. It's black and white in the word of God. That it's in Christ Jesus, not in your good works, not in the God that you've fashioned in your own mind as maybe the loving God of the New Testament as opposed to the vengeful and wrathful God of the Old Testament, not realizing that they are two and the same because it's one God. Jesus isn't off doing his own thing while the Father's doing his own thing, while the Spirit's doing his own thing. They have one will, and it's perfect. And it's always accomplishing exactly what it is sent out to do. No man can thwart that will. And see, this is exactly the will by which we live our lives. By God's law, by his attributes, by his plan of salvation. And we could keep on going. And his you know, culmination of all things yet to come. When it is appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment. See, God's revealed all of that to us right here in his word. That's why we need to be students of the, the word of God. Not just to be eggheads, but to apply it, to understand, okay, well, God wants to be known. God has told us what is right and what is wrong. And we can't ignore that. We can't shelf it. We can't allow the culture to dictate to us what's right and wrong. We go to the very source, the God who is, as we sung, the Ancient of Days. He's not old. He's not outdated. Because when we think about old, that is a a human term. Because we do get old, but God does not. He is timeless. He is still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You can take him at his word. So the blessing is, is that we don't have to guess. God's revealed all those things to us, to know who he is, who we are, and who we are before him. Well, see, there are also the other side of this, you know, if you want to use a coin as an option here, there's another side of it. Because there are some things that God keeps to himself. And this is one of those things I think for some, it is really hard to think that, well, why would God hide stuff from us? Well, see, it's looking at it from a wrong perspective. See, the thing is, when we think about the fact that there are things that God keeps to himself, we have to remember that he is the creator of all things, that he is eternal, that he is holy, that there was no one around to counsel him. He is the one who sets everything into motion. He is the one that counsels everyone else. See, we're the creation. So is it wrong for the creator to withhold or to keep things from his creation? Absolutely not. One, because guess what? I have a very finite mind. And you should be glad that I remembered to get up this morning and come here and and fill the pulpit. It's okay to laugh. It was meant as a... But to see, the thing is, we're talking about the infinite mind of God. The God who is eternal, who, who knows everything there is to know. He's omniscient. None of us are even close to being omniscient for a millisecond with just the things that we're responsible for, let alone everything that is. 
So the thing is, is we got to make sure that we guard ourselves against thinking that somehow God is slighting us. Because you need to see that this is exactly the sin by which Adam and Eve fell. It's the pride in wanting to know or to think that God was withholding from Adam and Eve something that would have been for their betterment. And they believed the serpent, they believed Satan himself instead of the holy God of all. This is why it's important for us to not be looking for some type of secret knowledge or try to unpack God's mind apart from what he has given us in his word. Or to think that God is somehow giving us more things now through people here today. No, we have the completed word of God. We're not to add to or take away from this book of the law. And God has safeguarded this down through the ages so that you and I can pick up the word of God and know that it is the word of God. That these are not somehow cleverly designed, you know, things coming out of the sinful mind of men. This is men moved by the spirit to put down and pin down every word, every jot, every tittle in this book. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the first part of the verse says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. So guess what? There's things that God knows that you don't. And you can do one of two things with that. You can either say, well, God, that's not fair. Or you can trust the God who is eternal, who is holy, who is righteous, who is just, who is self-existent, that chose to create chose to show his love, chose to reveal himself to his creation through the creation itself, but also through sending his one and only son to walk this earth to be the exact imprint of the nature of God because he is the son of God. He is God. So this is what we call God's decretive will. That's what the things that are belonging to God and God alone, the secret things that he has chosen not to reveal to us, not because he's trying to be sneaky or mysterious. It's because he's God. And that's enough. It's God's sovereign or supreme will that what God ordains comes to pass. In Job 42.2, it says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. See, this is a picture of the God who is. The God who revealed himself, as we've been learning in prayer meeting, as the great I am in Exodus 3. The self-existent, all-powerful, beautiful, wonderful God of all. We can see... You know, these, you know, things that belong to God through actually calling everything into existence, the creation itself. How can God, who is self-existent, create out of nothing everything that is? Because he's, well, there you go, you got it. Because he's God. And that should be enough for you. But sometimes we try to figure out things or to, you know, create in our minds, you know, trying to balance things that, you know what, our finite minds can't quite grasp or understand. And God knows that, and that's why he keeps certain things to himself. Because if you could even have a brain cell, and we'll use brain cell, I mean, God is spirit, 
but just so you can understand, if you could just have one brain cell of the almighty, all-knowing God, it would blow your mind. I mean, how, how does he hold everything together? I mean, it might be simple, you know, to say that he changes the seasons, but wow, how does he do that? How does he hear the, the prayers of every believer there is? How does he keep us all straight? I'm confusing enough just in and of myself. And I confuse you guys all the time. But see, God's not confused. He's able to see all of these things, do all of these things that, that, you know what? There's some things that I just don't need to know. But I can be in all of them. Or think that God is somehow slighting me. Or he's keeping something secret because, you know, he just doesn't want me to know. It's seen in him declaring the end from the beginning. You know, I might have the ability to declare the end of this service by saying, let's bow for a closing word of prayer. But to, to, to declare the, the end of all things from the beginning of all things? Who is that? That is God Almighty. How does he do that? Guess what? That's up to God to know, not me. We can see it very clearly in Christ's incarnation, his death, his resurrection, and his future exaltation. Why did God choose to send his one and only son in love to die a sinner's death, though he did not commit one sin in thought, word, or deed, to make it possible through belief in him and him alone to have redemption and be made right with the God of all? Why? Well, that's part of the depth, height, breadth, and length of God's love. Now, he's revealed some of that to us, but we, it's still, there's, there's aspects of it I don't really truly think we're going to understand until we're there. When we really are in the presence of God, when all of these, and I'll just say it, distractions of living life here on earth are gone. When he is the sole focus of everything, that is when I believe we'll begin to understand the length, the height, the breadth, and depth of God's love for us. Which is right now kind of a mystery. It, it to some extent eludes us. Because we have other things that are pulling us one way or another away from that focus that could give us a deeper and better understanding of God's love for us or God's mercy or his grace or his justice. It's seen in the culmination of everything within time and our final glorification. How is it that the dead in Christ will rise first and their, you know, their, their physical bodies that are in the, the, the grave will be united with their spirits to be in heaven with God forever, with bodies that will not be like the bodies we have now, that aren't going to decay, that aren't going to be suffering from the results of sin in our world, sins that you and I have committed and everyone since the garden? I don't know. It's beautiful to think about. Do I understand all of it? Is it still partially a mystery to me? Yeah. And that's okay. Because I'm trusting somebody I know I can trust without any inkling. Not even a small iota of question. Because everything that God does is in, based in his holiness. That means it's pure. It's right. There's, there's nothing that God is going to think, say, or do that is going to be contrary to that holiness. Because that is who he is. 
And we live our lives in this, this mode of always questioning people's motives and intentions of why they do what they do. And guess what? Never, ever put God or look at God through that lens because that's not who God is. And just because there's things that belong to him and him alone does not mean that he is somehow slighting us or being secretive because if, if you know, he tells us, then that's going to make us that much more better. No. Because the things that God's revealed to us, he knows that is what is good for us. That's God's good will for us. And the thing is, is that when we think about these secret things that only belong to God, the only way that God's decretive will, this will that is secret to him and him alone, can be known is if God actually reveals it to us. And we have that right here in the word of God. We have his revelation to us so that we don't need to guess. And so as we think about this Greek word mysterion, which Paul mentions as, you know, a mystery of Christ, mystery of the gospel of of salvation, those things have been revealed to us because God knows that it is for our good to know these things. And he will hold us accountable to those things. So how should this inform our lives today as we kind of pull all of this together? Because God has revealed many things to us, but he also has things that he keeps to himself. Well, I take you back to Deuteronomy 29, 29. It starts out saying the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now, this verse, in its context, in Deuteronomy 29, God has been reminding Israel that they are his people and that he is their God. And unfortunately, he's reminding them of that because they have forgotten. They have chosen instead to turn away from him and to do what they want to do, what they believe is right in their own eyes, and not considering the God who is their God. And so this verse here says that there are things that belong to the Lord our God, the secret things. But the things that are revealed, they belong to us. This is God's gift to us. This belongs to us. We should know it. Because this is how we should know how to live. And to get to know the God who we, you know, praise the Lord through Jesus Christ, we'll spend all eternity with when our faith is made sight and we get those glorified bodies. Well, let me leave you with two things of how this should inform our lives today. And the first is is that we can rest in the knowledge that there are some things only God knows. If God hasn't revealed it in his word to you, stop trying to figure it out. Stop thinking that God is somehow withholding things from you. Do not make the same mistake that Adam and Eve did in the garden in reading into the fact that there are things that God knows that you do not. You can rest in that fact because of knowing God's character, knowing who God is. And the fact that he has revealed things to us. Does God have to reveal everything to us for us to trust him and to live for him in this world and wait to the day when he brings us home? We can trust him. 
Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Because that is God, creation. I am so glad that God's thoughts are higher than mine. Because sometimes my thoughts are not where they need to be. Sometimes my thoughts deceive me. Sometimes my thoughts betray me. Sometimes I let my thoughts get run away with me. But that's not God. Because his thoughts are not like mine. His thoughts are based in his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his mercy, his grace. The fact that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. And here I am finite, getting old, forgetting more than I remember. So can I trust and rest in the fact that God knows things I don't? Absolutely. And so should you. And lastly, we can benefit from what God has revealed to us. So in other words, know what God's revealed to you. Don't let it be a mystery because you don't take the time to read the word of God and to know what God has actually told you. And the sad thing is, is oftentimes we leave this book just like this. Except when you come here to church. And then we open it up together. Will you gain some of the revealed knowledge of God? Well, praise the Lord, as long as we preach the word of God, yes. But you know what? I cannot give you the amount of hours that I spend studying the word of God. I can't give it to you by osmosis. The one way you're going to know is if you are students of the word of God as well. To add to what you, you know, glean and receive here when we gather together as God's people. Taking it to the next step. To continue to examine yourself to make sure that you are one of God's children. To make sure that you know the truths to know the promises. Because I can guarantee you every problem that you have in life can be spoken to by the truth that is revealed in this book. I don't care what it is. You could even make something up and I bet you I could figure out a way to address it. If you make it up, I'll probably tell you that it's foolishness. But the thing is, that's why we have the word of God. It's for us to know how to live, to know what to do when, you know, a family member hurts us or, you know, uh, our spouse wants to divorce us or, uh, you know, we live in a world where people don't fear the Lord. All those things are spoken to in the word of God. And sometimes God calls when you least expect it. (laughs) Not in church? Well, actually, he might do it in church. So we can benefit from what God has revealed to us. And with this, I'll close in reading Psalm 19, starting in verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord. And let me say this to you before I begin. So there's going to be multiple words that are going to speak to what the word of God is. You're going to notice it as the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandments, the rules. Those are all speaking to this book right here. Okay? They're just different aspects for us to see different applications of those particular words in the word of God. Okay, so it's not talking about something different. So when you hear all those words, those trigger words are to remind you of this book right here. 
the Holy Bible, God's word to us. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. What's the reward? Knowing everything that God revealed to you. To know the one true God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And prepare yourself not only to live in this life that you find yourself, a life that God has called you to, because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he has called you to this existence. To be separated from the rest of the world. And to be a testimony to the mystery of the gospel in Christ Jesus. To know that it can enlighten your eyes and help you to see things through God's lens as opposed to the lenses of your circumstances. Now, how can God give me perspective when I'm going through all of this? Look at it through God's eyes. Look at it through the truth of God's word because that will enlighten you to know how you should handle it. To fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And notice, your servant is warned. So there's a warning here. Because everything is spoken of in relation to the word of God does not change, but you're warned to keep them. To not let them just be Ten Commandments on a wall or on a a card that you've got in your Bible. Or to know that God is holy, wise, just. All the attributes that we, we, you know, I rattled off a few moments ago. Apply them, make them part of who you are, because in keeping them, there's great reward. Because when we live as those who have the revealed revelation of Jesus Christ, of God the Father, and of the Holy Spirit, it will transform how you live your life. And if you're not different from the rest of the world, then guess what? There's a possibility that you don't know Jesus Christ, that your life isn't transformed. Because this word will not return void. It will always accomplish what God sets forth in it. So read it, meditate upon it, digest it, make it part of who you are because God has revealed this to you and me. And also lets us be in all of the God who also has secret things that only belong to him. And you can rest in that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, church family, as we close out our service this morning. As the worship team comes up and we're going to be singing.